0: Welcome to the Nightmares Podcast, where we talk about everything horror. Today, we are taking a trip back into horror history. Yes, past 1996, where horror begins for Mark, and past 1980, where horror begins for Zach. Today, we're joined by Vinny, and we're going to be talking about the Universal Monsters. Hell yeah. Specifically, the sequels.
1: Because those don't get touched on very much, do they? They really don't. Other they're... than
0: Other than Bride of Frankenstein, they're kind of yeah, forgotten. yeah. But before we get started, uh, with us today are, as always, Zach, yo, and Mark and Victor.
2: What's going on, everybody?
0: My little payback for not introducing me and Victor on a, a, a previous one. Not introducing you guys <laughs> right away. But... Wait, why does Victor get punished for that? Victor doesn't get punished. He's just an innocent bystander who happens to share a camera with Mark.
2: (laughs) Sorry, bro. Sorry, Victor.
0: (laughs) Anyway, uh, so yeah, the sequels don't really get touched upon all that much. They don't. But you know what's funny is most people
1: who know the Universal movies and are fans, they do. It's like they know the sequels. But yeah, you're right. They they don't. And do yeah. you think do you think there's a reason
3: for that? In the well, first off, they're not as good as the originals.
0: Sure. Uh, like most sequels, um, except for Bride of Frankenstein, which is great. Yes, Zach?
3: I think Young Frankenstein is vastly superior than all the other movies. I'm just saying. (laughs) Here's the interesting thing about that. I second that.
0: Young Frankenstein does actually work as a legitimate sequel. It does. That's why it's so amazing. That's why it's so good. It
2: does. It does
1: not touch or top the bride of Frankenstein, in my opinion, and I will fight and argue that till
0: the day I die.
3: All right, Mortal Kombat, (laughs) after this. Backyard, right. be here, square. All right, young Frankenstein but versus Bride of Frankenstein. I think yeah. that
0: is a good transition into probably one of the first sequels we can talk about, which is Son of Frankenstein, because everybody totally. knows Frankenstein, everybody knows Bride of Frankenstein, right? Everybody knows Young Frankenstein, but Young Frankenstein actually takes a lot, and you could actually argue it takes more from Son than it does from the first two. Yeah, like especially with Kenneth Mars's character with the uh, the robotic <laughs> arm, the, the constable. <laughs> He's straight out of Son of Frankenstein. He is,
1: absolutely. He was, uh, Lionel Atwell was him in the, in I the think son, so. I think.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, Son of Frankenstein is the one that introduces Igor, played by Bela Lugosi. Right. Because in the first Frankenstein, it was Fritz, not Igor.
1: Right, and isn't that funny? I always think how most people, they always think Fra- Frankenstein's hunchback assistant is Igor. And it,
0: no, it, yeah. in the it original. Until three movies in.
1: Yeah, he's, that's a hodgepodge of Fritz and, and Igor, Bela Lugosi's Igor like yep. you said yeah. yeah yeah what do you think of Sun?
0: I like it um, mm-hmm. of that huge like Universal Monsters box Blu-ray box that I got that has like the originals all the sequels mm-hmm. I think it's like 50, 30 some, there's somewhere between 30 and 50 movies or something like that like it's a lot yeah um, and I do think it's one of the better sequels, definitely, because mm-hmm. like I don't really remember much of Ghost of Frankenstein or House of Frankenstein. I do remember enjoying them. but of I'll course, rant
1: about those in a little bit. But, of course,
0: <laughs> Frankenstein, Bride, and Son are the three best, but I do think Son is the weakest of those three. It is also by far the longest movie in that it box It is. Out. like it's I like think an it's hour like forty nine. It's something almost like two hours. Yeah. I think it's one of the longest when, of the
1: universal movies.
0: Oh yeah, when yeah. those movies average out like an hour to an hour fifteen range. Yeah. So it's like yeah. a full half hour than like the next longest one.
3: So how many Just Frankenstein movies are there in total? Oh, from Universal, yes, just Universal. We've got Frankenstein, Bride, Sun, House, Ghost, six,
0: six. Then you got the Alva Constello meets Frankenstein. Seven, if we include that. And then there's more if you want to count like the Monster Mash movies, like House of Dracula, like the crossover ones. Yeah. And then there's of course Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yep. Um, So you are just talking about this string of black and white Universal movies. Uh, whatever count you just did there, Zach, that's what we got.
1: So we got... Dra- uh, I, I Here, let me see if I can make this quick. Yeah. I got the first three that we mentioned. We got Ghost. We got... Uh, House. House, and then Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. I don't... Okay. I Yes, he is in House of Dracula, but... I don't know if I count that as a traditionally Frankenstein movie because, sadly, yeah. I think the monster
0: is is the weakest in that movie. I mean, yeah. he's ridiculous. Reduced... Like it's not a Frankenstein movie, but he is he is present. In it. Yeah, and it is a universal movie that has the Frankenstein monster in it. Yeah. so it is at least worth mentioning as a footnote. Whether you want to count it as a Frankenstein yeah. movie is up to you. Yeah, because I do believe the way that box set organized it was if the monster appears in it. Mm-hmm. It's in that collection, mm-hmm. so you do have repeats on the discs. Cause Which like, I saw that,
1: yeah. I, and it, it's actually led me, I need to rebuy the Frankenstein and Dracula box sets because the original ones were I left for my parents, and plus the new ones I think are all digitally remastered and stuff. Yeah. But I was going to buy Dracula and Frankenstein, like the legacy collections, and then I looked, in Frankenstein... And they, they they all they both have, um they both have House of Dracula yep. and House of Frankenstein. Yep,
0: because and Dracula appears in both, and Frankenstein is, appears in both. Appears
1: in both, and the Frankenstein set even appears. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, which yep. is on the Wolfman set. So I'll I'll um I those legacy
0: Blu-rays do have repeats. Yeah,
1: and they all have Abbott and Costello. meet Frankenstein, too. Yeah. Yeah, cause I love that movie. That movie's great. It is. Fucking A. Dude, any,
2: anything with Abbott and Costello, man, and, and meeting yep. the Universal Which, Oh, yeah. I, T- I, I actually the always mashup.
0: preferred Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. Oh, that's absolutely
2: one. my fucking favorite. That's dude, a great dude, one. He's doing the fucking speed back. <laughs> he's hitting his head against the speed back. He even like, goes like know. that's
3: a little <laughs> I like yeah. Dude, Abbott and Costello are just fucking hilarious. Like, oh, I know they're they're, there's so many people who like to bold. praise the three fucking stooges. No. no, Abbott and Costello are so much fucking funnier. The three stooges are just, eh. eh I
0: like them both, <laughs> I love them both. And anymore. then um, there's the sequel to Dracula, Dracula's Daughter. That's which, a very weird one. Yeah, because... which that one's got like a whole tone of its own. Yeah. And like I will say if it wasn't for Dracula's Daughter, I don't think we would have the lesbian vampire movies the late 60s Probably early 70s. No. Is like that movie vampire about- like Vampire Lovers, Lust for a Vampire, mm. Daughters of Darkness, Twins of Evil? Like I think all those movies and that subgenre of vampire movie have a lot to Oda to Dracula's Daughter. Now with Dracula's Daughter, see that's
1: that's one of the only ones too
0: that really to me works as a direct
1: sequel to yeah. the first Dracula with Bela Lugosi. Yeah. Because, um, like, all the
0: others kind of just... Was that a pre-code era film, Dracula's Daughter? 19, that was 1936, I think. So it actually kind of... Yeah, so it's, like, right... I forget what year the code came in, but I think it's, like, right on the line.
1: Right on the line. Because, yeah, the... the, the just for anybody, I guess, listening, what the pre-code... When we say pre-code era films, that are like, any movies um, kind of before the mid to late 1930s, yeah. I think because there was, they were shit definitely
0: of, in place by the time the 40s came in I know right. right there was yeah.
1: a
2: lot Vic, of shit victor, victor what are you shaking You had, do you know do you know something that, that they don't yes what, what, what's going on so the Hayes code i believe was uh adopted and established uh probably mid to uh late 20s it was only through because it was during that time in america that uh during the whole prohibition and there was kind of this whole uh Reinforcement of purity. Uh, they decided to do that. So uh, that's that's my take and whatnot.
1: I know though that they consider movies. For instance, there's a film I have, "Sign of the Cross" from 1930. It's somewhere between 30 and 32 or 33 it's considered a pre-code era film yeah, public I, I enemy have, with jimmy cagney is considered a pre-code era film i have seen a film. lot of box
0: sets like it was pre-code That's and what they, they do have a lot of like early 1930s yeah and they get
1: away with some really for that time racy risque and even kind of dark and violent material another great uh example of the horror pre-code movies from universal fortunately it's not a uh monster sequel so i'm not going to touch on it too long is the black hat with karloff and lugosi it's a good one it's got a lot of real dark uh satanist satanic murder and all sorts of dark shit and that but anyways um dracula's daughter has some yeah what is it some kind of then
0: it's racy, definitely got some implications yeah to-
1: and you even get the final appearance of uh, edward van sloan as van helsing in that yes i believe so which to me that's again that's why it really felt like a direct sequel to dracula 1931
2: yeah women in comfortable shoes as robin williams would like to say
1: (laughs) so then we get uh so yeah so you got that you got the son of frankenstein and then it's funny the the there were sequels to the invisible man and the mummy yep. and the creature from the black lagoon Which
0: i really don't care about the mummy sequels you don't like care I, so much. I, I don't care about those ones at all well, and I, it's. Funny. i think overall um i think the original mummy is one of the stronger universal movies it is Absolutely. but i think it has the weakest sequels
1: well and it's too bad because none of them follow that mom the no. Karloff's mummy they're they're uh, they they almost like did like a soft reboot um of the mummy Way
0: and, once and, again universal was uh, a trailblazer that nobody wants to acknowledge <laughs> right well so and it's funny too. it's funny too because um like frankenstein meets the wolfman like yeah. if you read the reviews for that one back then mm-hmm. a lot of the negative reviews are very similar to a lot of the negative reviews from batman versus superman in really? today's time because like it's all this buildup for a fight that's only this long
3: really <laughs> really really <laughs> Zach, it, like, Doesn't that sound familiar? That sounds like Freddy versus Jason just a bit. No, Freddy versus Jason, you got fights, and that
2: final fight was long. Oh, dude, it just wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough fighting for me, dude. Like, I don't I know.
1: There was
3: a, was a lot, lot of, of fucking blood. See, to it's me, just yes.
1: See, to me, I guess I don't have any problem with movies like whether it's even Freddy versus Jason. Um, I actually was a unpopular opinion. I was a ba- I actually like Batman vs. Superman, and. I love Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman because to me it's more about verses or meets or whatever is more about, could be more about the story of these two characters meeting rather than just a fight. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was what was cool. I I personally think Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman is actually probably one of my favorite of the sequels. I mean, uh, again, totally not excluding Bride of Frankenstein and even Son of Frankenstein.
0: And then, um, this is a little off-topic-ish, but have you ever seen Gods and Monsters? Yes. Excellent movie, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ian McKellen, oh my goodness. Yeah, he nails the character. And Clive Barker was actually a producer on it.
3: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I just found this out recently.
0: Clive Barker was either producer or executive producer for Gods and Monsters, which stars Ian McKellen and Brendan Fraser, and I would say it's Britton Fraser's best performance, best is. dramatic performance. It is. It's really and good. And it's about the last, Ian McKellen plays James Whale, the director of Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein um, in The Invisible Man yep. during his like last days leading up to his suicide. Yeah. It is really good. McKellen. We need to see this movie. Yeah. McKellen was. A little, bit, was, little uh, sad. A little bit. Yeah. A little it's bit. It's a movie that will stay with Kind of you, moving. Like. Yeah. McKellen was nominated for an Oscar for best actor for it. Uh, Lynn Redgrave was known for Best Supporting Actress. And even Bill Condon actually won uh, for Best Adapted Screenplay that year for it, mm-hmm. um, who went on to do Dream Girls. And he also wrote Chicago and Candyman 2. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's a really good movie that'll stay with you. And if you like the Universal Monsters, mm-hmm. you owe it to yourself to seek out a copy of Gods and Monsters. Well, because
2: uh, he wrote Chicago, uh, Dream Girls. And then Candyman Part Two. Yes. Not in that <laughs> I feel order. like Sesame Street, dude. Like one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, and what's cool about uh, that movie, I think, in in regards to the monster sequels, is I'm pretty sure when Ian McKellen is playing James Whale, he has a little moment where he kind of talks about how he got screwed out of the studio and a bit, and it, it kind of, doesn't it touch a little bit on, like, the studio system? and
0: I vaguely remember that. I think he, he was talking about his movie The Road Back during that because I know that that was one that James Whale had some... He had uh issues he, with the studio on that one. Mm-hmm. But and that he even had it in one that more movie, movie than a yeah, yeah, it's a World War One film, right? Yeah. Or no, that okay that was the sequel to All Quiet on yes. the Western Front.
1: Yes. Which is weird. I don't know how you do a I don't sequel know how to how that, that when the main guy bit the dust at the end Yeah,
0: of that. it's one of the most famous deaths in nineteen thirties film history. Right. Yeah. And then uh But yeah,
1: it's it, it kinda leads me just the whole thing him. Complaining or having issues with the studio kind of leads me to say this about the sequels. They are fun, but you do start, like you said, you notice the quality starting to drain. Oh, yes.
0: And I do want to point out now that I've actually done a lot of more research in my adult life, I do find some irony in that James Whale is complaining about studio interference when he weaseled himself into directing Frankenstein by using the studio to interfere with Robert Flory. Did he really? Yeah, because Robert Flory was the original screenwriter and director for Frankenstein. Wow. And so that, like, how the story usually goes is like, nobody talk about, talks about Flory, but everybody talks about how Bela Lugosi was supposed to be the monster and how Lugosi didn't like that. Right. That's kind of a very vague generalization of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, what actually happened was that Robert Florey was hired to write and direct, and he actually wrote the part of the Doctor for Lugosi. Really? But the studio wanted Lugosi for the monster because they thought that would be more on brand with him after playing Dracula. Dracula, yeah. So Robert Florey then shot about 20 minutes of test footage about five or ten of which actually featured Lugosi as the monster. Mm -hmm. And the cinematographer that Flory was using shot that test footage, and he was very much inspired by, like, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and, like, a lot of German expressionism.
3: And even Lugosi, when
0: he saw the test footage, told the cinematographer... I have never looked so good on camera or so I forget the exact quote, but basically wow. Lugosi ended up being very happy with how the test footage made him look. Wow. And so the test footage was a huge hit on the Universal lot, and this caught the attention of James Whale, who then went to Carl Lemley Jr. and was like, you know... Since Frankenstein is a talkie, and since I have stage experience, which is important for these talking motion pictures, I think I should direct Frankenstein. So they had never
1: cemented Flory as the director? He was just the one they were looking at? Flory was
0: originally supposed to direct, but then Whale wanted it, and so then they took Flory... To, uh, to then they moved Flory his cinematographer and Mel Lugosi onto Murders at the Rue Morgue
1: and you said that that movie be, because, because of that because he had
0: so little prep time the rumor is the way Murders at the Rue Morgue looks and the way that one was shot mm-hmm. was how he was going to shoot Frankenstein
1: so we could almost like if you wanted to really see what might like a what if of yeah. the of the Flory and version what you really that
0: stings movie. is at first Flory wasn't too upset because he was like okay well i still wrote the scripts so i'm still at least going to get credited for screenwriter for frankenstein only in a european uh-uh. release uh-uh yeah wow. wow wow that's a well. didn't
1: rule. didn't they change the script a lot from the flory version
0: not as much as you would think Really? Um, okay. I do remember reading about this. I don't remember the specifics, wow. but I do remember reading like a lot of the actual structure of what we got mm-hmm. was very much based on like some dialogue, like dialogue may have been changed, something like that. But in terms of like actual structure,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's pretty much what Flory wrote for the most part.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, again, the, the look of that and everything and just, yeah, what, what, yeah, it's very weird. Cause I mean, if you watch Murders in the Room Morgue, it's just, it's very, it's like you said, it's like very expressionistic. much ca- expressionistic and it's funny because, um, uh, house, uh, or not house, the first Frankenstein, the Frankenstein movies, they, they retained a little expressionistic influence as most of the universal mm-hmm. horror movies did, um. I've even kind of seen some things in regards to the sequels. I've seen some things that kind of point out that some of the set design of *Son of Frankenstein* and the and like the manor, the 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 Frankenstein castle, you know, and where he lives, is kind of expressionistic yeah. in its in its look and everything. Almost a little more than it. Some of the, Some of the sets were in the previous two movies.
0: Then it's move on a little bit because I do want to touch on all mm-hmm. the major monsters. Yeah, uh, there are the Invisible Man sequels, right? Which I, th- the, I believe the first sequel is the one with Vincent Price, which was Invisible Man Returns. It is, yeah, and he was an excellent, he always, was good, a, a worthy successor to um, Claude Rains. Yeah, Claude Rains. yeah, re- very worthy, and it's amazing because like. Those effects in 1933's Invisible Man Mm -hmm. are still amazing today. Yeah, they are. Because it's like, how do you do that in 1933? Yeah,
1: Yeah, especially some of the unwrap sequences. And it's been
0: explained to me. And I still don't get it.
1: <laughs> really?
3: Are you still don't like, Yeah. It's, it's like,
0: it took, like, compositing, like, four shots together. It
3: took compositing to four. I, I finally... I'm, I'm just imagining layering that shit right now, especially, like, working on film. It's like, mother See, that's fucker. my thought. My thought is
1: I get kind of how they did it with, like, they said that, you know, it basically they used black backgrounds. Yeah. They if, if you had Claude Rains, the invisible man, unwrapping his head, so you want to still see his body but his head's invisible. They shot he wore they shot him against the black background. He wore black velvet. Like I'm guessing it must have been like a full face mask or he was wrapped in black velvet and they which is crazy to me. I can't imagine how hot and how whatever cuz you'd be wrapped in that and have the bandages around you and you'd have to undo the bandages yeah. and still be wrapped in this black you know, it's equivalent to today when we would have somebody against a green screen and they would probably be wearing like a green, like, mask yeah, Of course, like we have mask like
0: digital them. filmmaking now and everything, whereas right. they were all photochemical, analog, all that. That's what I don't really
1: get. I don't, I'm always confused how they shot him against Black. They'd shoot the, I the don't. scene he's sitting in. How did they merge those two shots together back then? Did they actually take the film and lay it over each other somehow? Uh, I believe that's part of it.
0: In terms of actually keying stuff out, I I don't know the specifics and everything, but I know it has something to do with, like, the chemical baths that they put the film in. Mm -hmm. And then I do believe they, in a way, had to, like, optically put the... I don't know if they actually, like, taped the film together, but I know they, like, had to, like, do some kind of optical process at some point that basically merges the shot, and that's why a lot of, like, lower budget effects in movies ha- suddenly have like really a grainy look to it because oh, wow. you are basically putting two film frames on top. Which, there's of course more to it than that but that Something it's an idea. oversimplification but that's what you're
3: doing. It's a with. similar concept to layering in After Effects. The only difference is you're doing it with real film in real time just like yeah. All right, we're going to put this on top of this on yeah. top of that and then that just sounds like an, I want to try it. I would legitimately love to try to edit a movie on film like strip everything together and do some effects like that just to yeah. see just to see for myself how much more of a pain in the ass it was. Just uh, a lot. kind of a little historical thing. And I know it's going to be a royal pain in the ass, but I want to do it just to be able to say, fuck you, I did it.
0: And then there's, of course, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the mm-hmm. last of the classic Universal Monsters. Who got two sequels. Two, yeah. Uh, the most famous, the more famous of the two is Revenge of the Creature. Right. And that's really more famous because it's Clint Eastwood's first movie.
1: Yeah, I didn't even know that until until learning, i knew that he had a brief little moment in it but i didn't i didn't realize that was his first like
2: appearance yeah yeah brendan what when, when was that when was that movie
0: that would uh revenge of the creature Early, yeah mid-50s. uh that would have been 55 because okay. i know wow. those three creature movies were one year after the other so it was like 54 for creature of black lagoon 55 for revenge and 56 for creature walks among us yeah. wow
2: what's actually is not surprising because if you know some history about clint eastwood during that, during the '50s, he was a um, a studio player, a yep. studio contract player, the wow. um, uh, for Universal. So he would, they would just back in the when the studio system was around, they would just you know put him in. He would have a you know whatever picture deal, yep. and then literally they just shuffled actors from like movie to movie to movie, and like he would only stay on that back lot. And they'd be like, "Here's your cos, here's your cowboy costume, here's your costume, Which is here's pretty, what's pretty your much donuts. what
0: Julia Adams was for the first creature from Black Lagoon
2: the girl in it yep. that's the main actress yeah. right
0: uh, it's the one, the, right white, the one in the white bathing suit her that's most famous role most famous image and hot. she was really just like a universal <laughs> day player yeah and what's funny is i was actually reading in a book recently um in one of joe bob briggs books uh profoundly mm-hmm. <laughs> disturbing he does uh creature from black lagoon is one of the movies he writes about in that one oh right really? and he says that julia adams was known as the actress with the best legs in Hollywood, but she was always in westerns, so she was wearing those dresses that covered her legs, so you oh wouldn't know God. it until *Creature from the Black Lagoon*.
3: Wow! Irony, irony, right? Dude, *The Creature from the Black Lagoon* is my favorite of the Universal monsters. That thing is so fucking yep. awesome. And it both is that cool. and
0: the first sequel were shot in three D as well. Yeah, that's they
3: were. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the,
0: uh, yeah. And the
1: sequels to those movies, I I remember I watched them actually not long ago for the first time. They're fun. They're fun. Yeah, they're fun. They're they're a little bit especially the second one gets a little bit the the creature walks among us where they kind of turn him more um aren't they trying to like make him more land yeah like like creature and stuff like that at that point yes And I don't remember why. I don't remember the exact... I think he gets in a fire and... and Yeah,
0: I think think he got injured somehow and there was some kind of surgery. That's the one that I really remember the least. Mm -hmm. But I do remember having fun with it. Yeah, I remember having fun. I remember one of my issues with that
1: too was there was almost like continuity... Things I didn't understand
0: with those. I, I did not think get, cared about continuity back then. I guess not, because like
1: the creature in the first movie clearly got shot, and he, I did he even didn't he even get like harpooned, or something. Something in, like that. Something, and and you know you see him sinking, appearing to be dead, way down into the depths, and then he's just kind of back or eight, I mean, I guess we could assume it doesn't necessarily have to be the same creature. Yeah. Maybe there's a few of them lurking around in that area but they went back and they capture the or a creature in the second movie revenge and i think he gets shot again at the end of that and then he's just back again somehow in in the creature walks among us so i
0: mean you got to make a sequel if you got to make a sequel make a sequel right right exactly it's, it's too bad we never got john carpenter's remake
1: I can't because he was, that. He, was he was gonna do a thing. remake Ugh.
0: with Rick Baker doing the makeup for the creature I keep hearing and this. they did release a picture of it in Rick Baker's book wow and it would have looked pretty darn good why the hell does like they it would have
1: been amazing why did they not do this Universal for various reasons they may it's just funny to me like there's that would I been think John a Landis was
0: supposed to do a remake at one point if I'm not mistaken wow. um like yeah. it, it's funny that seems to be the one Monster of the six that just can't get a reignition. Because, like, Dracula, Frankenstein, uh, we of course know those. Wolfman eventually got an official remake in 2010. Right. Um, the Invisible Man got a remake just right. last year, which was great. Um, the Mummy, of course, has had a few iterations. Yeah,
1: Mummy's had kind of almost like some re, I, I almost like reimagining. Yeah, if you
0: want to throw Phantom of the Opera in there as well, we yeah. of course have many versions of that. So it's, it's just a shame that Creature seems to be the one that, has, that can't seem to break yeah. into a modern audience.
2: Unfortunately, the closest we ever got was in Monster Squad.
0: The Gill Man and Monster Squad was great, and then. Yeah. But also, if it wasn't for Creature from the Black Lagoon, we would not have Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. I
3: was gonna mm-hmm. say there's clearly a lot of yeah. inspiration which there. Which the story
0: behind that is, so when Del Toro was a kid flipping through the TV channels, he saw that shot of the creature and Julia Adams underwater, and he thought it was. And he just turned that image, so he had no context, and he thought it was one of the most romantic looking images he had seen. <laughs> and he was just like so mad that they killed the creature at the end because he thought she should have ended up with a creature, not with What's-His-Face. Guy loves, so, guy loves bestiality. What can you say? So Shape of uh, Water is his correcting of what he thought was one of the biggest mistakes oh in God. cinema history.
3: That's That's great. <laughs> it's
1: interesting, but that movie just makes me roll my eyes for a number of reasons that I'm not going to get into right now. Okay, um. My
0: opinion on that movie has been such a 180 because I did not like it the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. um, which I got to agree with Justin's theory on this because I watched it when I was just about ending my time on the cruise ships, mm-hmm. so just, and I didn't care for it, and Justin was like, Brandon, you are probably just sick of water at that point. And when he said that, I kind of paused and went, you might be onto something there, and then when I watch it again, I'm just like, yeah, this is actually pretty good. Yeah,
3: okay. I enjoyed it. I, I very much enjoyed it. I love the artwork for like the posters and shit like that too. I was always like, hey, somebody actually gives a shit about their artwork finally. So. Dude, the
2: thing is, man, that like, like, okay, so Vinny's approach of the Universal Monsters is the way that Zach approaches Predator. It's it's this purity thing. Like he even fucking hated the new Invisible Man. No, yeah, I can't they, stand um, it. So, yeah. so I can see that. <sighs> cannot, cannot I cannot fucking stand I, I, it.
3: I, if that's I can understand Vinny's perspective, then I can understand that one hundred percent. It has nothing to do with the Invisible Man. The, uh, I understand.
1: It is not the Invisible Man. It is the two dimensional, invisible, abusive boyfriend, and that is all the fucking movie it was to me.
0: Regardless of title it was still a good movie.
3: <laughs> eh, the original Invisible Man's a better movie if you ask me. I understand his pain, and I understand his logic. It's pain, yeah, you're I've probably been there. that
0: same person, I've guys. Been there. Michael Myers wasn't in Halloween three. It's bad. Jason I actually wasn't, don't mind Jason that. Jason wasn't the killer in Friday Thirteenth Part One. It's bad.
1: Well, Part One, I that's Part One that's is cool. Part One. That's cool, though. and at least
0: Jason's in Part One. I think it depends. I guess
1: like the Kinda. whole thing. You know what? Maybe this circles back to the whole sequel thing. I think it depends on which characters are your favorite and mm. what are these characters sacred to you. You know, um, I bet there were people. It like it's interesting what you said about Frankenstein meets the Wolf Man. What would you say again? People similar were,
0: complaints to Batman vs Superman today. Yeah, and um, and
1: maybe it was. Be, do you think any of that was fueled because those characters, especially at that time, Frankenstein, were kind of sacred already. That they felt they were going in a lousy I know, direction. Like,
0: or, I don't know if I would say they were ever really sacred in a way yeah because they were really good movies but i do feel like because like when you do look at how much they were pumping out these sequels it was like the studio just didn't care so it's like i do wonder what the audience perspective was that because like i said those are just critic reviews Um, so here's
2: what i will say though is especially the sequels that did manage to come out in the 50s you know the studio knew their audience like these were these were fucking drive-in movies. Like, they were added they, in the, the same rotation. The, the Creature ones, yeah, especially. They, they yeah, they were added in the same rotation. But those were
0: also way after... Like, Creature was way after the other ones. Yeah, That's like, true. ten... We're talking, like, a decade. Yeah, yeah so... Because, I mean, like, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is a spoof. Really good movie, but still a spoof. <laughs> yeah. Was 1948... Okay, and that was really the last that you saw of them. That was the closeout, and the then there closeout. was creature in fifty four. Yeah, so that's six years between the spoof and the last monster to be introduced. Yeah. Speaking of which,
1: just to, before we have to, or I don't know how much time we have, but what do you think of? I guess you could say of those original monsters. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, mummy and uh, invisible man never really managed to cross over with. Frankenstein Dracula and the Wolfman yeah. but
0: those three I guys think, I think a lot of that has to do with the Van Helsing movie too because I remember when the O4 Van Helsing came out mm-hmm. like that's when they released like the collections of Frankenstein Dracula and Wolfman on DVD like they oh, were like yeah. those three monsters were plastered everywhere
1: because right. but even back when they were made they never the mummy and invisible man never met those other guys they were always yeah. stuck kind of alone well, in their sequel vincent
0: price's voice as the invisible man does show up at the very end of abbott and Costello meet frankenstein so the idea
1: was there yeah it's no doubt but what do you think then of to me the closing movie of all of those got of at least like the classic the original guys like frankenstein dracula and then the wolfman is house of, is house of dracula like that is the true closing of that continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of that as a closing to that to those stories?
0: I really don't remember that one all that much. If I knew you were going to ask that question, I would have watched that movie last night. Well, fuck.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> I what
1: I could ta- what I could uh, well I'll throw out my kind of opinion on it. I. Sadly, I wish there was wish more could have come of the Frankenstein monster mm-hmm. and even a bit of Dracula because Dracula Dracula's just kind of le- they, they don't really get a real ending. Um again, the, the only the character to me who actually it does work is a actually a good close to his story is Larry Talbot. Yeah, cuz doesn't
0: he get cured of He his... actually gets cured yeah.
1: and he walks away with this with this uh, lady that he meets who's working under the doctor who kind of goes mad cuz he's infected with Dracula's blood, which that was that was kind of an interesting direction for the movie to take which I didn't expect. Um hence why it's actually called House of Dracula, but um yeah, he he kind of gets this Full circle arc that um, when I was a kid I would watch the, these sequels I loved them but I would watch them all over the place all disjointed I didn't realize that they were all connected until I got a hold of the legacy collections in my teenage years hmm. um, it, it didn't it, I, I I and it, which makes sense now you know because I didn't understand well wait the Wolfman's back. Alive again somehow, but he's fighting Frankenstein again, and then he gets. It appears they get killed, but then he's back in a nut. Wait, what? You know, it, it didn't. It didn't connect to me until later that this was all connected, and it's what it's. Con- I think it's considered the first cinematic universe. You can say that. Yeah, that's something yeah. else important Once about again Universal
0: being a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah. And then they tried the dark universe many years later, and got what one movie all in
1: and evil. Well, I think they tried that. What, they got, like, wasn't, okay, this is what I can't figure out. Some people say they got one movie in with The Mummy and it already failed. But then some people say, well, technically Dracula Untold was supposed to so be the first attempt.
0: But it I was don't... originally going to be Dracula Untold. Really? Yes. So that was going to be, like, the beginning of their cinematic universe, but that didn't And it kind of would have made out.
2: sense, but,
1: yeah. Because there is,
0: like, an after credit scene in that one that does kind of, like, hint at, no, no. The it doesn't reference any the other monsters, but it does kind of hint that they want to take this more forward. Oh, and,
2: and also too, isn't Russell Crowe in that movie? Fuck, well, you know, the know. That's the mummy. Oh, he's the mummy Okay. The, mummy. the um. So well, you know, the, the biggest problem with that movie though was that it, they hired fucking Tom Cruise, and like it was a It was originally supposed to be like a, like a more traditional yeah. well, one horror point, movie, but because Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise, they're like, we're gonna just make it a you know a fucking Mission Impossible movie with a coat of you know, mummy paint on top of Well, it. at one yeah.
0: point, Tom Cruise it was supposed to be Van mummy. Helsing, but it's somewhere that became The Mummy, and so it was like, I don't know, I we don't have the time to go into my <laughs> thoughts on The Mummy right now, oh, but God. basically, it was going to be yeah, The Mummy, sure. uh, I think Angela and J- Jolie was going to be Bride of Frankenstein, um, Johnny Depp was going to be The Invisible Man,
1: uh, and um, even, and actually, what's his name? Javier yeah. Bardem was going to be the Frankenstein monster. Yes. and so, Which I could have actually seen that. That, that was going to
0: really be like cool. the Dark Universe. I remember like they were pushing that Dark Universe brand. Like they gave yeah, a they trailer, were. posters, a photo shoot with oh everybody. And then what the if... mummy comes out and just bombs. Bombed and it. then that's when Universal decided, okay, we're going to give the rights to these monsters to Blumhouse so that they can make more modern and, stuff. and, and that's I, how the invisible man came right
1: out. and i will say as even though it's personally to me not what i prefer that seems to be the first yeah. kind of successful yes and remake, i think they did reboot in a while and i think
0: they did a good job because if you are because like if you because like these monsters are they belong to the world Yes, yeah. universal may own these specific iterations of these monsters and everything but these monsters do belong to the world And so it's like if you do want to bring them into a modern day, um, like an optics guy makes more sense for today than mad scientist making potion or whatever. Um, Eh. (laughs) as cool as I think it is it's like I do understand I have a
1: theory and an idea about that
0: but (laughs) sure but uh, there are ways you can do it and everything but I I do believe that if you do like I have nothing against bringing these these characters to modern day but it's also if you are going to bring them to modern day you need to do you also need to be aware of who your audience is today your audience these days are mostly if, if you just want to appeal to just like the super fans, you'll probably get your money from them, but are you gonna make enough to keep going? And that yeah. that I, is I, a question that studios unfortunately do need to answer. And I think they answered that question really well with yeah. Lee all's Invisible Man.
2: And one one thought real quick too, and honestly if you want to see a better rendition of Invisible Man, I think Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon was a better version of actually, more more towards the actual, the actual story original novel yeah. rather than the the newest rein reinvention of of Invisible Man I think it's a more faithful faithful yeah it's that's what faithful like more, to the yeah exactly but
1: yeah well I don't know I I will admit I'm I, part of me gets excited when they keep mentioning of remaking these characters and yeah. stuff like that and then there's part of me lately that just shudders because
0: I'm just like ugh like. Yeah. You're, if you don't make them, you're never going to get the good ones. Yeah. Yeah, we had to suffer through Dracula Untold and The Mummy, but then yeah. we got Invisible Man. So it's like...
1: I would like to see them then just maybe... I don't know. Maybe they need to try the creature once and all. I would like finally. that. Because I I that, like that, to me, that character you could bring... I, I don't really see how that would be hard to bring to modern day. Yeah. I mean, shit. We could, you could take him into the realm of environmentalism. Yeah. I mean, that's a really simple thing you could give him that background instead of him being like a, uh what was he like a un- forgotten missing prehistoric kind of thing yeah. that just you could turn it into that but still really have a similar story
0: and character so i'd love to see that um final thoughts from the guys victor and mark
2: um I, I don't know. The um I enjoy Universal Monsters. I think they're awesome. the um I wish I spent more time watching the sequels just to at least check them out, but I mean, you know, you cannot understate the influence that Universal Studios has had on horror in its creation. So I give a lot of props to Universal in so many ways in their respect towards horror and and also towards cinema in general. So they're they're awesome. I've always had a deep respect for Universal Studios.
3: Hell yeah. Squirrels, squirrels. Yep, squirrels. Right. Well,
1: I don't know. I say, obviously, you got to you got at least watch the the the, the original classics, yeah. but check out the sequels too. They are fun, and you know, I, I think they're fun, and I think, you know, I don't know. I just think a lot of them are pretty damn good, even compared to some movies that are being made today, and then some. And if nothing else, see it for the history. You right. know, it's film history. You.
0: There are some really good sequels. There are some really bad ones. Movie <laughs> movies. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, everybody knows Bride of Frankenstein. Son of Frankenstein is also very much worth checking out. It Dracula's is. Daughter, Frankenstein Meets the Wolf Man, Invisible Man Returns, and Revenge of the Creature. Like if you want a very quick rundown, like very quick best of essentials. i think that was sequels. a pretty good yeah that's a pretty I think solid listing of yeah. the
1: best ones
0: watch them all but if you just want essentials for the sequels that list right there thank you for watching this week's episode of the nightmares podcast you can listen to all of our other previous episodes wherever podcasts are available also be sure to hit that like and share button and subscribe to us if you're watching us on youtube You can also check us out on all of our social media at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher. Have a great day, everyone.